I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's shoulder season and the snowdrifts are gone. That means pro cornhole season is back. Your Minnesota timber beasts have blood in their eye and they're primed to let fly. Get your tickets and claim your seat. Not a side in the league our beasts can't beat. The Timber Beasts are ready to sit high atop the league standings again in the 2023 season. Will you be in the house for the following tilts? May 15th against the Salt Lake Bridegrooms. May 22nd against the Sun Prairie Corn Kings. June 2nd against the Keokuk Colonels. Free beast claws to the first 100 fans through the gates. And June 16th against the Mandan Maulers. Stick around after the game and enjoy a free concert by the DDs, the Upper Midwest's sixth favorite Bee Gees tribute band. And that's just the start of Beast season. Sacks will fly until the snow flies. The beer and soda are always cold, and the meats are sizzling on the grill. And this year's home crowds will be tempted with an upgraded concession hub, now offering cabin country charcuteries, porter cheddar brats, as well as smoked whitefish and fried smelts from Al the Harbormaster. Summer's here and all we hold dear. The timber beasts and professional cornhole fever. Catch it. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabot Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman, with another Woodland Escape. So, Bjorn, you've told me that you've been having a recurring dream of some images we've we've heard of before on this show. They have uh, they have made their appearance without a doubt on the show. We've we visited revisited the, this the, the, yeah. your your old your parents' cabin you had in the many times yes in the early eighties I think many it was times. right yeah it was sold in the early eighties and the the new owner decided let's make it go away through the wonders of. Uh, Controlled fire. Oh, yes. With the Cross Lake Fire Department in attendance, gave them a good opportunity to ride herd on a to controlled burn, it. burn, you bet. But uh, it hasn't let go of your memory. It is uh, apparently put down roots in, in my psyche, without a doubt. Sticking around for good. I'm, I'm not going to tell too many tales here, Fudd. It, it's, 
it's taken the form of many dreams over the years. Uh-huh. Some of them get real weird where it's sort of familiar, but things are very different. And uh, But recently, recently, Fudd, the stuff that haunts your dreams. Yeah, it's, right. it becomes a little more difficult to know, am I dreaming this or is it real? It's very hard to explain. So if our listeners would care to, you know, revisit some of what... I've continually retold and occasionally wept over on this show. <laughs> oh my uh, yes. goodness! Yeah, I, uh, I have it. I have a tale here in the. Let's grand, hear all about it. Grand scheme of Northwood's tale telling. A, a bit of a cabin country dream, or was it? All night, just about every other night, these dreams are becoming frustrating taken on different phases depending on the night. Crooner Tom Petty said it best, I think, when he sang, God, it's such a drag when you're living in the past. Some of these dreams are now taking on a frighteningly realistic feel, Fudd. I'm no longer asleep and knowing it. I'm aware of dark, pain, happiness, actual feelings, sensations in these dreams. The lake is in front of me, waiting for me to grab a lawn chair in my reel and trundle down the steps to the dock. You know, in past dreams, the lake has gotten shallow and wide. The sky has gone semi-twilight. My mother is still there at the cabin, strangely enough, nodding with uncertain assurity. When I ask, are you still with us? And do we still own this cabin? That surreal glow of veiled happiness, that the shack is still standing, the dagger of the past is still a reality. I exhale a loud breath of relief as I head past our old clothesline strung between oaks and think about mowing this untended lawn. A new owner hasn't taken ownership and burned the cabin to the ground. The sandy road going towards the point still runs past fishing shacks and the New Year rounders with permanent professionally done signs. The invasion of modernity has not yet hit the woods surrounding Daggett Pine Road. The old tumble-down pioneer log cabin is still across the road from the house with the outbuildings and the trained raven named Bandit. There are still open prairies and stands of maples and pines. There are wildflowers blooming and aspens filling the woods across the road. These dreams have become less common. Newer, more realistic dreams have invaded my world. I gotta be honest, I'm not sure at this point when I'm dreaming, when I'm awake. I've come down the curving road around the massive wooded bog on the left. The beavers are still dam building and dropping birches and aspens in the woods. All the old signs are still on the posts as I head to the dead-end section of Daggett Pine. A sense of belonging and hominess that already has an almost alien feel to it. Something's still not right. I reach our driveway in the noonday sun. Gone is the Invaders' three-car outbuilding. Gone is the Interlopers' asphalt driveway. The dirt road still goes up to the cabin. The cabin with the open deck and the resort's trash collection road still cutting through the backyard. Our young and growing trees from the power company are still too small to be called trees. The dock is out in the lake and four sections long with the dogleg left section. The boat lift is up with the Larson trihull sitting out of the water. Gas can is hooked up to the 50-horse Johnson and there are fish in the live well. Small yellow ceramic coffee mugs are sitting on the glass table of the deck. I can see into the cabin through the screen door. That gaudy multicolored shag carpeting. The antler racks with the ball caps and the fishing hats hanging from the horns. The old Zenith TV screen is still gray and white and pink on the TV stand near the can, showing an episode of Virgil Ward as I peer through the screen door. 
This person owning the cabin at this point can't care or understand why I so badly do care. I stand apparently too long for comfort when the current owner comes to the door. A woman says, can I help you? It's a woman in a pair of older Levi's and a light green windbreaker on the other side of the screen door. The screen door that used to have a green frame but has acquired a coat of maroon paint. I stand tongue-tied and self-conscious. I'm really not sure what to say. Uh, hi. You're, uh, you're still hanging onto that gray and pink TV. We weren't sure how long we could keep watching pink and gray television. That's all I can think of saying. She responds, hmm, I wonder what I should make of this situation. Do I know you? I respond, I'm sorry, of course not. My name's Bjorn. I, uh, I used to spend my summers up here in this very fishing shack. My folks bought it around 1972. She says, well, okay. My family bought it about 1992. We loved it, still do. Does it pass muster? I wasn't sure, but I didn't think she believed me. I guess I couldn't blame her. I needed a shave. I was wearing a pair of ripped-up old jeans, a pair of lawn-mowing running shoes, and a battle-weary Led Zeppelin t-shirt. Not exactly an ad for modern lake home living. Theme music caught my attention. Were they running repeats of old Virgil Ward shows? How the hell was that on TV? Why in the world would some new owners keep that old malfunctioning zenith if they could afford a lake place? Something here was a bit off. The vaguely wondering look on her face and the raised right eyebrow gave me reason to think that she wasn't exactle believing my tale either. This current wave of disbelief was something familiar from the past. I looked at her with some seriousness. There are four scuff marks on the floor under that shag carpet where the Ben Franklin stove used to stand. The duck-themed plate on the wall covers the stovepipe exit. My dad put that there when we removed the stove. The bed frames built by the old fishing camp owner are basically nailed to the floor. They're unmovable. That fold-out kitchen counter extension is still not level when anything of any weight is put on its surface. My dad built that for my mom. She always said that kitchen was too small. There's a scorch mark on the light fixture in the bathroom where lightning entered the shack. It was the storm in 1976. It blew out the light bulb and scared the hell out of us. We left it as a reminder. It takes about three minutes for the pump in the pump house to start providing clean-smelling water. That pump house is made of Blandex. My dad and I built it. If you look in the bookcase in the left side bedroom, you're going to find a mark from a hunting knife. Hey, 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 I believe you. Why wouldn't I believe you? You don't have to prove anything to me. That look had left her face. I responded, hey, I'm sorry. I've relived this scenario many times in my... Well, I'm guessing this is somewhat hard for you to understand. Why is this man standing here looking at my property? Strange. I get it. I wouldn't trust or believe me either. She looked at me. I have no reason not to believe you, and no, I don't fear you. Did you want to look around? Would you like to see the inside of your childhood cabin? I thought for a minute, then I responded, uh, really? You wouldn't mind? Hey, if you're okay with it, I'd love to see the inside of this place. I haven't been in this cabin since 1983. Thank you. Not at all. You look harmless. <laughs> Come on in. I hope you see what you're hoping to see. After thanking the woman again and insisting I was just having a walk down memory lane, I walked through the old screen door. It still made the same thin wooden clack as it closed. It was like stepping into a movie set. The old Zenith TV. The gas stove circa 1955. That old refrigerator. The new owners hadn't replaced the multicolored shag carpeting that Dad had bought on sale at that big lumberyard in Brainerd. Wow. 
Even Mom's mismatched throw rugs were still on the floor, over the shag carpet. I never did understand why she did that. Space Age 60's clock was still on the pine paneling behind the TV. The table next to the rocker still holding copies of old Wild West and lapidary magazines and outdated field and streams. I walked near the small kitchen and glanced through the pocket door that served as the entry to my old bedroom. They still had the old comical deer hunting plastic ads on the wall. A gimmick gift from the bait stores of the 1950s. Above the small ad for Ed and Alice's bait was a plastic picture of a deer driving a vintage car through the woods with two hunters it had bagged tied to the trunk. Morbidly funny, I always thought. These signs were still nailed to the wall near what had been my huge pine frame bed. I looked on the floor of the small kitchen and saw in the one foot of space between the stove and the fridge a 12-pack of dyed Pepsi, what was clearly a paper bag wrapped around a jug of Windsor. On looking over my bedroom door opening, I saw the antlers, on which were all the old fishing hats we'd bought on trips up to the cabin. These new, not-so-new owners were either really strange, or they hadn't bothered to clear out all our old stuff. I noticed now my ears were ringing, my vision was going gray, and I seemed to be kind of fading out. I asked if she minded if I sat down. I stirred from my reverie to realize I was on the couch in the main room. Things appeared to be kind of in a vintage Hollywood Technicolor. There was a smell of pipe and cigar smoke in the cabin. Dad had stopped smoking his pipe in the early 1980s. This was out of character. I shook my head to try to clear my thoughts, and I was looking for the lady of the house to apologize for my loss of consciousness. This was, this was embarrassing. She was nowhere to be seen. There were two men in the cabin. One was on a wooden chair at the table. The table now had no tablecloth on it. He was looking at a map and drawing on his pipe. He had a fishing hat on his head and a vest over a sweatshirt. A gent was in the kitchen frying fish in a skillet. His cigar was glowing in an ashtray. They were talking about the time it would take tomorrow to bring the boat as far as lower whitefish. Could they get an extra tank for each boat from the resort owner? Feeling somewhat awkward, I just sat and listened, wondering when they'd notice I was on the couch. What had happened to the woman I'd been chatting with? The floor was now bare wood. The carpet? Gone. The knotty pine paneling looked newer and somewhat freshly varnished. There was no Zenith TV. Radio stood on an end table in the room. There was the Franklin stove. It was back, looked somewhat new, the exhaust pipe attached to the wall. There were the antler racks. There were no fishing hats hanging from them. I heard a voice outside. The men did not notice me. I stood up slowly. It would appear they couldn't see or hear me. I walked to the screen door. I quietly pushed it open and walked out onto the original set of wooden steps. Our deck was not here. The man yelling in at the two chaps in the cabin was busy cleaning walleyes. The cabin was no longer maroon with white scroll sawed trim. The structure was yellow with green trim. I looked down the hill towards our dock. Gone. There was a two-section rough-hewn dock to which two vintage fishing boats were tied. The motors on the transoms were old. One motor had a telltale rounded housing of an outboard from the 50s. The other had the recoil pull starter on the top of the motor. Wow, I thought, that is one old outboard. All I could think is, who are these guys, and what the heck is going on? The fish cleaner appeared not to see me either. I slowly walked closer to him. His clothes were vintage. His pack of smokes was on the stump near his fish cleaning station, and it looked like something I'd seen in old magazines. I walked back towards where the pump house should be. It wasn't there. Their cars were parked in the grass behind the cabin. 
A Studebaker commander from the name in the chrome on the front quarter panel and a shiny beige Pontiac chieftain. The Pontiac seemed like it was fresh off a lot. What the hell was going on here? The trash collection road separating the front of the property from the back was looking to be in continual use. In fact, here came what I knew to be a Ford Model 48 pickup. A bit rusty, but still soldiering on. I vaguely recognized the man behind the wheel as a much younger version of the old gentleman we'd bought the cabin from. He was stopping behind each cabin and dumping their trash into a larger bin in the back of the pickup. He yelled at the fish cleaner about what the fishing was like today. I heard him yell, Sure, you can have extra gas cans. Lower whitefish, yeah, it's a bit of a haul, but the biting's good, sure. Hey, you fellows have a good night. He got back in the cab and continued with his resort trash collection. From the look of things, it was probably the early 1950s. I couldn't be seen by anyone now. I realized I was an unseen observer. The truck and driver finished collections at the end of the cabins and headed off into the woods on a small road cut back into the oaks and maples. I heard the screen cabin door slam shut as one of the men from inside came out to oversee the cleaning of fish and BS for a while. He popped the cap off a cone-top beer can and stood watching, drawing on his cigar amidst the comments and guffaws. The sun was getting lower and the lake was lighting up gold. I couldn't help but notice the lack of docks around the lake, the lack of boat traffic. I shook my head in disbelief and walked slowly towards the bank that led towards the lake. Maybe ten docks up and down the shore, both sides of the lake. Finally, a familiar sound, the puttering of a small outboard engine. A shiny new aluminum boat was making its way in the direction of Little Pine Lake, a man in a fishing hat at the tiller, a pipe between his teeth. The guys cleaning fish didn't seem to see him. He turned the tiller of what I was guessing to be about a five-horse outboard and did a slow arc closer to the near shore. He slowed the progress of his boat and trolled almost at a standstill right past me. He had no lure in the water, no rod in his free hand. As the boat puttered past me, he made direct eye contact with me and nodded slowly as a plume of pipe smoke escaped his nose. He held up his free left hand in a wave and turned the boat back towards the middle of Daggett. The solitary fisherman twisted the throttle back to full speed and puttered away towards the distant channel, a series of modest waves in his wake. My ears started to buzz again. I lowered myself onto the lawn and sat down with some care, eyes going gray once again. I could still hear the men talking about how many they'd haul in tomorrow on the bigger lake. I awoke on the couch as the cat had just landed on my chest. A few cautious steps and then she jumped back down on the floor. I could hear the buzzer of the dryer going off in the basement and I recalled that my wife had asked me to fold that load as soon as it was complete. I guess I'm so used to having these realistic cabin dreams now that it doesn't shock me anymore. (laughs) I'm no longer waking with a sense of melancholy or deep loss. I just chalk it up to another creative mind film from long, long past. I get off the couch down the steps to the basement and realize I have a strange urge to go into the furnace room. I'm at a loss as to why this needs to happen, but my feet are leading me there, so I follow. I have a fishing net attached to the wall of the furnace room. To that net, I've attached a number of vintage lures from an old tackle box I was given by a good friend from the past. Ironically, that good friend enjoyed Dad and I at the cabin a few times for fishing and several small projects. I was compelled to look at this wall display of good memories. It was there, with the spoons and stick bait lures hanging from their hooks from the net, right next to the old resort laundry bag I still had from the cabin. The bag was found in my bedroom up at the cabin and still had the name of the resort stenciled on it. I still had it, 
decades after the cabin had disappeared. I smile as I look at the last relic of Wildwood Resort, and then I notice something I haven't seen before. Among the daredevils and meps is a new trophy, a red-eye weedless spoon I have never owned. And hanging off one of the hooks, the old key to a Pontiac. Hmm, I wonder to myself. There are times with these dreams where I swear I'm crossing into something truly different but completely real. The smell of old metal remains on my hand after I replace that car key on the treble hook of the lure I've never seen. I've been asked many times to remove this outdoorsy monument of the past from our basement. Remove it or maybe move it to the garage with the tackle boxes and rods. This cements it for me. This collection stays next to the resort clothespin bag. Just kind of feels right. The appearances don't frighten me. They make me smile. I better fold that laundry before the wrinkles set, and I need to iron laundry, too. live from the Chain of Lakes area in beautiful Minnesota, the original home of the outdoors lifestyle. Fudd and Bjorn, it's time for the weekly check-in from the broadcast home of KCCN Radio. I'm live here at the corner of Burr Oak and Jensen, ready to bring you the latest updates for cabin country. But let's go first to Ted Bostwick reporting from Holland Walleye's Bait and Tackle on the edge of town. What's the local weather looking like, Ted? Well, Bob, the day is looking seasonally appropriate. Low 80s in the a.m., angling prime time, and low 90s and cloudy yet again for evening anglers. We were humid early in the week, Bob, and we may still be feeling the steam this weekend. Continual stickiness of the week may result in some thunderstorms, so anyone heading out in the water should keep that in mind. The weather bopper high atop Holland Walleyes is glowing red today and blinking. When that means warmer temps for today and a real possibility for precipitation into the night. Sunrise today, Bob, was beautiful and took place at 5.53 a.m., while this evening's sunset will begin around 8.30 p.m., probably from behind cloud cover. What's biting today around the area, Ted? The Chain of Lakes area is seeing somewhat of a decrease in the walleye haul, Bob, and the frequently ornery largemouths have also become bashful. Shore casting with jitterbugs, realistic rubber worms, or colorful jigs seem to be meeting with limited success. Spinner baits are bringing luck for the trollers out there, bub. Maybe up the ante with the addition of a plastic leech or a pork rind. For the relaxation crowd, bluegills and other panfish are cooling in the deeper waters and the heat seems to curb their hunger. Drop anchor and add a bobber or set a depth on your line and cast a bobber off the dock. Be patient. Eventually everyone's got to eat, right? <laughs> Current favorite panfish locales include the friendly confines of Loon Lake and the quiet waters of the often overlooked Island Lake. Plenty of fish from pumpkin seeds to black crappies have been reported. For the state fish, walleyes will still lunge at blue, purple, and black rubber worms. And it's not necessarily a bad idea to attach a spinner at the top of the rig. Does the heat and humidity index appear to drop a bit when you're out there on your tracker, Ted? I'm not sure, bub. It's thick wherever you drop your anchor right now. Surrounded by water, yeah, it probably works at least on a placebo level. Beats mowing the lawn, right? <laughs> <laughs> ah, and what baits are currently for sale at Holland Walleyes, Ted? 
Well, bub, we've got bait holding tanks full of most minnows. Brassies are plentiful this summer. We always have a refrigerator full of high-season crawlers. You can always pick up a jar of scented baits, bub, and they won't let you down. The leeches are plentiful and in the fridge, bub, waiting for you. And remember, we always have a wide range of flavored and scented plastic baits. Good fishing to all. This is Ted Bostwick signing off from Holland Walleye's Bait and Tackle. Thanks, Ted. Remember that the range is open for the summer trap shooting tonight at the White Pines Regional Owls Club if the fishing isn't what you'd hoped. Bring your own ear protection. The fish fry season is up and running as well. Many establishments across cabin country are offering bass, panfish, and walleye, usually in an all-you-can-eat format. We'll save you a seat and several ramekins of tartar sauce. A reminder, too, that Cracklin' Jack Pines is one of the many establishments that will fry your catch for you if you bring it in. They always offer those classic fish fry sides like slaw and twice-cooked fries. Oh, boy. That'll wrap things up at this juncture. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon with another Chain of Lakes area report. Until then, this is Bub Nesterfell signing off. Tonight, Terrible Tim Torgerson hears the retelling of a late-night visit from something we'll call Wabashaw Red Eyes. The logbook of Tim Terrible T. Torgerson. It was muggy and hazy in the early morning. The truck's exhaust seemed to stick to you. On human mornings like this, everything sounds dimmer, muted. Get in the truck. Put a reminder on my phone to ask the garage about recharging or repairing the non-functioning air conditioning. This could be a long, hot summer. The Wabasha Caves, where I'm supposed to go this early pre-dawn Thursday. Noises reported. Lights seen by area locals. Not like car or truck lights, but shimmering floating globes. Not near the dance club entrance, near the semi-sealed-off cave entrances, away from the club. People in their imaginations. Are we all six-year-olds on a sleepover? Good Lord. The comments at the front desk were interesting, in a truly Minnesotan sense of the word. Our desk dispatcher had a bit of a smirk on her face as she told me the background info on the first stop this morning. Tinny music, almost audible, but non-stop to the neighbor's ears. Where was it coming from? And why are we hearing it at 3.30 in the morning? Not loud enough to really hear, but loud enough to be an annoyance. Hmm. Floating lights in the trees? Swamp gas? Ball lightning? Not likely. The muted but alarmingly present reports of what sounded like guns. Several shots, according to the locals. People claim they could hear it on Delos and Colorado streets. Some reports coming in from as far away as Congress and George. Really. And yet the annoying part was that the sounds weren't deafening but omnipresent. They could be heard but were not so loud that everyone in the neighborhood heard them. Those who did hear them could not stop hearing them. 
There was no going back to bed and forgetting about it, like hearing a mosquito in the tent. And then the lights, flickering, wavering, floating amongst the black shadows. All right, Wabashaw Street Caves, on the bluffs, so time to take the long, curving down-road descent of Ohio. The sun isn't up yet, but the pre-dawn gray is starting to lighten. If the floating orbs are still wavering through the trees, I won't be able to see them soon. Why is it that these sort of paranormal things only seem to happen at night? A call from HQ. Tim, we've got a request for you to stop by the lot at Harriet Island. The homeowner would like to describe last night's events. You're close, right? Yeah, I'm almost to Plato. I'll hit Harriet lot next. I'm guessing they'll be the only ones there, so I won't ask how to recognize them. Why the lot at Harriet Island? Well, they were concerned about what their neighbors might think. I think they're also early birds, and we're happy to have something to do, as far as I can tell. Let us know what you hear. Good luck. Okay. These are always interesting situations. Retirees? This early on a Thursday morning. That's all that makes sense. Yet more light arising, burning the mists of the Mississippi. I pull into the lots at Harriet Island and I see two people sitting in an idling sedan with the parking lights still on. They seem to notice that my truck is a parks truck and wave me over. Good morning. What brings you out so bright and early this fine day? Just as soon not use my name if you don't mind. The noises, the lights, we reported them. I'm guessing we weren't the only ones. Kept us up all night. So I heard. What can you tell me about them? Where would they have been coming from? This is all new to me. The desk didn't have much for me. Weirdest thing was noises and those lights. They were barely perceptible. And yet, once you were aware of them, you couldn't block them out. Annoying. Frustrating. Kind of sounded like old record album music from the bygone times. And then the lights. Were they lights? Wavering, floating. Some of them disappearing. They sure weren't cars. We're not far here from the airport, but they weren't from aircraft, I can tell you that. They were near ground level. Then they'd be near the treetops. Mostly near the ground, though. So strange. And then the sounds of those shots. They had to be gunshots, but they were almost too quiet to be gunshots. And I'll be the one to add a layer here that you may not have heard about yet. Do tell. Well, I'm not the kind to sit back and cower when my block is in danger. I grabbed my 38 and I got in the car. I started prowling the block. Sir, I'm not sure where to start on my explanation of what a bad idea that uh, was. You know, I've heard them all, bub, so don't you start on me, too. I'm licensed to carry. Enough said. That's not where I'm going here. I started a quiet, slow cruise towards where I know I heard the music and the shots coming from. In my head, I figured it was maybe a block away. Kept the car generally in drive idle, if you follow me. No noise, just rolling along. I'd find these jerks. Had my cell phone ready to dial the cops, too. Well, probably your best choice was to call the police first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've lived near the river flats now for 40 years. I know how things work around here. Used to be a security guard myself. I understand that when I want results, I have to take matters into my own hands. Got ugly, I'd make the call. Don't you worry about that. Anyway, the closer I got to where the noise seemed to be coming from, the more it seemed to shift. Further, further away. I started picking up a little speed and with the windows down, listening with more concentration at each block. Before I snapped out of it, I was near the cave's dance club. But as I kept listening, I could tell the noise had moved again. It just kept moving down, further into the trees, near some black openings in the hillsides. Those caves, the old cave openings. There's a lot of them, you know. Uh, Mr., uh... All right, all right, Krasner. I'm Joe Krasner. 
Mr. Krasner, can I call you Joe? Yeah, it's fine. Joe, you know that almost all those cave entrances have been sealed shut by the city after the last group of cavers got lost. Steel bars, concrete. I feel like the majority of those caves' mouths have been closed off. Well, that's, that's where I'm going, officer. There was that music I followed. It faded as I neared the end of the street where the brush and the trees get thick, and there's plenty of cave entrances. I see maybe one or two more of those glowing circles near the base of the trees, and then the music stopped. And then I seen him. Him? Sir, you haven't mentioned anyone you ran into. I didn't run into him. I couldn't even get near him. I was now about half a mile from home. I was down on the flats here. Among those trees, the harder I fixed my eyes, I swear I seen a guy in a suit and a hat. Outline of a guy. Music was gone now. No more lights floating around. Just this big shadowy outline of a man in what looked to be a fedora. He didn't hardly move. But as I leaned forward in the driver's seat and I looked out the window, I noticed those eyes. They seemed to emerge from the black outline of that head and appeared to be shadowed by the brim of that phantom fedora. Those eyes were glowing red. No pupils. Kind of faded in and out. I'd see the eyes, then I wouldn't. It was at that point that I guess I raised my thirty-eight. I wasn't even aware I was doing it. Shadow Man faded out. He was gone. I snapped out of it, and I was gone too. I didn't peel out or anything, but I headed for home. I'd seen enough. What the heck was up with the gunshots? Hmm. Joe, can you give me the time that all this happened again? This is a lot to wrap my brain around. I'm not even going to mention what they're going to say to me back at the office. The time this went down and one more spin of what you saw. I don't want to misquote you when I fill in the report. The old guy went on to tell me that around 4 o'clock, he'd started his neighborhood prowl with the shooting iron. I really wish people wouldn't be taking matters into their own hands, and with a gun yet. Anyway, in the slowly dissipating blackness of 4 o'clock a.m., he saw glowing orbs, heard distant big band music, heard distant gunshots and saw the dark outline of a man in period clothing and fedora standing back in the trees near sealed-off cave entrances. Then the figure's eyes began to glow red until they flickered out and he disappeared. End of scenario. Good Lord. The elderly couple pulled out of the lot after the woman of the house insisted on a stop for coffee. I'd never hear the end of this. Do I report it? Of course I do. I was dispatched to the scene couldn't pretend it didn't happen. This was the wildest tale I'd been told by a local in a long time. The chief would want to know what I'd responded to as well. Who or what was the specter? A trick of the light or lack of light, rather? An underslept senior citizen seeing things and apparently hearing things. Just like the rest of his neighborhood and several other neighborhoods. He wasn't alone. Maybe this gent was telling the truth. Maybe this was a ghost. The fedora and suit would make one think of a Prohibition-era gangster. Lord knows we've heard those tales from people who frequent the caves and the areas surrounding the caves. There's the ongoing tale as well of the Prohibition-era mobsters who get into a shoot-em-up. In the caves, over a card game? An insult? A love interest? I'd never hear the end of this. I took one last look around the area as I passed what appeared to be the end of the woods near the caves. Box elder, aspens, and volunteer maples. The burdock plants were already three to four feet tall. Many a cockleburr will be stuck in dog fur and pants legs again this fall. A fair amount of trash tossed from cars, too. 
Sure it'd be nice if people gave a damn about this land of theirs. Well, if nothing else, this was more interesting than relining park trash cans after picking up the trash. I'd love to say I couldn't wait to hear what the chief would say when I report this, but no matter how this was received, it would come out with a fair ration of ribbing from my colleagues. Wabashaw Red Eyes. The logbook of Tim Terrible T. Torgerson. Station Podcast Network encourages you to join us at the parks every Thursday at 9 for the weekly episode of Bottling Up with Bogland Bog, the weekly program that is intended to help the home brewer and home distiller. Bogland Bob is a self-proclaimed micro-distiller of forest-themed spirits and constantly has a batch of Northwoods beer, ale, or no-alcohol tipple at work in his outbuildings. Bogland Bob loves to throw some Prohibition-era humor into his weekly podcast amidst the hints suggestions, encouragements, and straight-up distiller's hacks that are intended to make your homebrewing experience a positive one. This week, Bogland Bub will discuss the not-so-new craze of homemade kombucha and the equally enticing topic of switchlings. Bub will discuss making the most out of the early summer's crop of juneberries and how to create a wonderfully fresh switchel out of the resulting simple syrup and some high-quality vinegar. Our GSPN host will show us the process for making a Northland kombucha out of the wetland and forest gem called Labrador Tea. Fragrant and plentiful, Labrador Tea makes a delicious kombucha, as does Sweet Gale and Black Cat Raspberry and Wild Strawberry. Bub's list goes on and on. We'll all have to tune into Bob Van Bub, who will supply us with the do's and don'ts to help you create a beverage with the preferable flavor and freshness you can only encounter in the north woods of the upper Midwest. Bub will also walk you through both the creation and flavoring steps needed for success with this week's drinks. There's also the possibility that Bub will also entertain the listeners with a chorus or missing verse of On the Trail of Lonesome Pine, if we're lucky. If you're a home distiller or a brewer, you owe it to yourself to join us every Thursday at 9 for Bottling Up with Bogland Bub. And don't forget to check your brake fluid levels while you're at the pub. And now back to Bjorn Lloydstead and Fudd Klugman in Cabin Country. This must be it. Say you want passing that ball with catches, aren't you? Oh yeah. Sure good hammer. Please give your blood. It does smell pretty good, doesn't it? Real good hamburger steak, Johnny puts on. Hey, this French bread's nice and fresh. Yeah. 
now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.